This is Observations Q&O Podcast for Friday, the 12th of November, 2021. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dale Franks. I'm Michael Wade. And, uh, wow, we've got a couple of things that we can talk about. Uh, Almost, although not quite, but almost breaking news. The uh, Fifth Circuit today uh, upheld their uh, uh, stay on the Biden administration's mandate and said not only did they hold the stay up, but they ordered that OSHA take no further action to impose such a mandate until this has been adjudicated properly uh, in a federal court on the uh, on the merits. So it looks like this thing, at least for the time being, is dead. Now, what I thought was really interesting about this decision is that with a lot of sort of hemming and hawing, what the court said was basically, A, the federal government doesn't have any such general police power, um, and certainly the president doesn't, and B, even if they do, the the statute probably doesn't give them the power to do that. So they say that the, so in granting the stay, they say that, you know, the, they feel that the, the appellants do have a likelihood of succeeding in a separate concurrence. Trump nominee, Stuart Kyle Duncan said in part, uh, these challenges to OSHA's unprecedented mandate are virtually certain to succeed. And then adds whether Congress could enact such a sweeping mandate under its interstate commerce power would pose a hard question. See NFIB versus Sebelius. Whether OSHA can do so does not. So, <laughs> so it's as dead as fried chicken in the Fifth Circuit. Well, it's well, I mean, obviously that's where uh they had the most I mean, talk about forum shopping. The, the, that was where the the, the uh, proponents for, uh, or I guess against um, the this mandate. That's where they had their their best shot is in the first, Fifth Circuit. However, and, there are cases in the sixth, eighth, uh, and eleventh as well, which would bring it to supreme court um adjudication because you would have uh, a disparate uh you know a, a, across circuits um a, a opinion that's what will bring it to the supreme court's attention uh which of the of the fifth sixth eighth and eleventh which of them do you think will uphold the mandate well, the sixth will uphold the mandate. Um, and that's all you need, really. Yeah, because you have differences in two circuits, one of which is uh, saying, nope, you can't do it at all. Um, so my question is that the, the Biden administration has said, well, you know, we have this running in multiple circuits. What we ought to do is just assign a circuit to take this case, and that'll be the, the circuit that we all listen to. And then that circuit will, if it is chosen some circuit other than the Fifth Circuit, it will review the Fifth Circuit stay, and we'll move on from there. Yeah, that's not how it works. 
Uh, the Biden administration tends to believe otherwise, but they tend to believe this mandate is constitutional. So who knows? Well, no, I mean, they can believe whatever they want, but that's not how it works. You, so there's been this uh, big, long conversation in uh, actually the Supreme Court uh, about whether or not you can have just a federal court, just just a, a, um, yeah, a, a federal jurisdiction, uh, sorry, uh, jurisdiction court that is a district court and whether or not they can impose a, uh, a stay on all of the entire federal government. And that's been sort of a, a thing that, that that's, uh, especially with um, what's his face um, yeah and, and so uh, I mean this is not a, a thing where y- you get to choose your your place uh, form shopping and then make it happen all over the, the country or at least that that that's not well it, it's been a question well but, so, but but hold on hold on for a second is this forum shopping because this is a suit that was bought in texas this and in louisiana shopping. yes this um, is absolutely forum shopping and all of these states are going that, to their circuit court of appeals well that's right and they they knew that the the fifth uh, fifth circuit would be the most amenable to it. They did not go to the ninth circuit. They didn't go to the tenth circuit. They didn't go to the sixth circuit. Yeah, but if, if you're Absolutely. the but if you're the attorney general for the state of Texas, what other circuit can you go to? Well, well, that's true, but it's not. This isn't the only suit that's been brought. There are, and and this is what's so weird about this. So you have um, attorney generals from uh, South Carolina joining in uh, the Fifth Circuit. That's a Fourth Circuit court. Uh, You have attorney generals joining in these uh, 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 suits from Idaho. I mean, that's a Ninth Circuit court. So... there's definitely form shopping going on and and that's fine. Whatever it it happens, but I I don't want to, I don't think that we should get too jazzed about the fact that the fifth circuit, which I expected would uh, exactly hold what they had, what they did because I mean, this is just form shopping at this point until it gets to the Supreme Court. I mean, I, I don't I don't see this is all just uh, subterfuge. Yeah, I do see in the list of plaintiffs on the opinion listed the state of South Carolina, the state of Utah. Um, so those are clearly two different districts uh, who are who are part of this, although obviously the state of Texas and the state of Mississippi, they're. All that. Wait a second, Mississippi is that part of? Uh... I think that's uh, it. May be Tenth Circuit, but 
it, it wouldn't surprise me if that's part of Fifth Circuit. Uh, Fifth Circuit. Mm. And and this came out of uh, New Orleans, right? I mean, that was uh, yeah, yeah. It came out of it came out of Louisiana, so that uh, definitely a Fourth Circuit or Fifth Circuit cases where it started. But I mean, the list of the list of of plaintiffs is as long as your arm, right? <laughs> and you know what? Look, I mean, it's a political thing. It's not a. It is a legal thing, but it's not a. Uh, it's not a straight up. Um, we're talking about legal questions. Um, this is a very political thing. Based on this Supreme Court and the decision that this Supreme Court made back in 2014 um, with uh, uh, a similar case, uh, you know, uh, a mandate via regulation where they overturned it, Um Honestly, what do you think the Supreme Court does with this? I think they will be forced to accept it. Um, there's going to be at least four votes uh, to take up, um, uh, you know, cert. And after that, I mean, I really don't know. I got to be honest. Um, y- you have certain justices uh who are very keen to make sure that uh a status quo is established we've seen that with roberts over and over and over again i think uh comey barrett is iffy um and i think that gorsuch might be iffy um it depends truly on the questions presented to the court. So what are the questions presented to the court you know, that they actually have to decide that are actually true, um, you know, controversies? Well, the, the first question, and we don't even have to get to the second question, depending on what the answer to the first question is, does OSHA have the authority to impose such a mandate and that's a that's a really interesting question. Do they? They've never been established with that sort of authority, as far as I know. I mean, do they actually have that authority? They've certainly never attempted to exercise such authority. And where in the regs, actually, none the regs. The regs are um, outside the realm of authority. Where in a statute for OSHA did they get that power? Well, OSHA claims um, that uh, the statutory language, um, and I have the—I actually have the opinion open here. Um, uh, it's just finding out where they actually quote the uh, where they actually quote this. Uh, quote the statute. Okay, an ETS must one address substances or agents determined to be toxic or physically harmful, or new hazards in the workplace. Show that workers are exposed to such substances, agents, or new hazards in the workplace. 
show that the said exposure places workers in grave danger and for being necessary to alleviate employees' exposure to gravely dangerous hazards in the workplace. Right. So, so ETS is, uh, if I remember correctly, that, that that's the same, uh, well, it's an acronym, obviously, but it's the same thing that they used to say that uh, cigarette smoking was an externality and they could shut it down because it exposed workers to um no problems right to health problems and that's their job what is their authority to actually i mean other than um making uh you know penalties uh, financial penalties they don't have the authority to go in with uh jackbooted thugs and like actually make you do what they are pretending they have the authority to do especially for a hazard that is not actually in the workplace or to be more precise it is in the workplace in the exact same proportion as it is in society as a whole Right. I mean, we're talking about, uh, and it could be the common cold. Do they have the ability to go in and, you know, shut down things because of the common cold? No, they don't. And there have been six times. I don't mean to, like, uh, uh, equivalent between. Equivalent. I, I don't mean to to make it an equivalent between, um, you know, uh, this SARS thing and the common cold. It's just that. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you, you don't have; they don't have the authority to go down and shut shut down uh, production or. Uh, issue mandates just because uh, people have the common cold. So what's the difference? Yeah, it's it's a what, common what? hazard that everybody can encounter anywhere, not just work. And right. so where does OSHA have the authority to say, well, we can't control anything else you do, but by God, we can make you get a vaccination if you work. That That doesn't seem to be, I'm sorry, that just doesn't seem to fly. I, I just that, that's a big hole in the uh, I mean that and thinking yeah yeah they're, they're trying to make a hole big enough to drive a truck through and I don't think that hole is that big well I think you hit the nail on the head there that they are trying to drive a truck through it because that's ultimately what they want is they want to have complete control over what you do when you do it and how you do it and even if we were to answer in the affirmative that, okay, there is statutory authority for OSHA to issue such a regulation, which I find it very difficult to see how they would come to that answer, honestly. Although I know that there's a circuit that'll do it. Certainly the Ninth Circuit would, I, I presume. Um, then you get- I'm not even so sure about that anymore, but yeah, that, that would be the one. 
but then you get to the constitutional question of, okay, does the federal government have a general police power that would enable them to do this? We know that yeah, states can do this. We know that states can do this. I mean, that's pretty right. much settled law. Yes. And uh, every time there's a state or a county mandate that comes in, um, every single district that I know of where, that has seen such a case, even the Fifth Circuit has said, nope, nope, this is a state thing. States can do that. Yes. Well, and you you drew the line exactly right, that states have police power. The, the federal government does not. Um, and it's 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 a very esoteric sort of thing, I guess. But um, it, you you nail it on the head. I mean, it, that's exactly what it is. The 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 feds do not. They, the feds are a limited government. They only have the power that we have given them through the Constitution. So that's actually a big deal. So you know we have two big questions there, and it's certainly not going to fly on the Fifth Circuit. We'll see. This is going to the Supreme Court, though. I mean, there's there's it just has no, to. Yeah, yeah, there's just, there's, to. there's just no way around this. No, that's I, I agree. There's no way that it doesn't. And you know what? here's how weird the Supreme court is. I have no freaking idea. You know, Oh, well, there's so many conservatives that, that really doesn't even matter. I, I actually trust them more than I trust uh, anybody in Congress right now. Uh, and I, you know, I, I don't even care what party they are. The Supreme Court actually takes its shit pretty seriously. And I I really actually think that they will try to do their best to find um, the, the right solution. What I fear, and I don't think I'm, I, I'm uh, alone in this, is that they will try to find a way to you know ease the situation um ameliorate the the potential bad outcomes and come to some sort of weird you know uh respective of of differences sort of thing and uh, to me this is just a clear-cut you're violating individual uh, autonomy. Well, the thing that which makes, is here's the thing that makes me disagree with you about that, and it is a, a case from 2014. It is the Utility Air Regulatory Group versus the Environmental Protection Agency, and what the court said in that case is, uh, when an agency finds or when an agency claims to discover in a long extant statute an unheralded power to regulate a significant portion of the American economy, we typically greet its announcement with a measure of skepticism. We expect Congress to speak clearly if it wishes to assign an agency decisions of vast economic and political significance. Uh, and by the way, they use that uh, as at least partially uh to overturn the eviction moratorium. Mm-hmm. You poured your soul. Uh, 
<laughs> yes. Do you think that these people who are smart as fucking shit uh, can't find a way to keep that intact and yet still say, you know what, we're going to give the, the, the government the benefit of the doubt? Well, this is the same group of people that came up with emanations and penumbras. Right. So <laughs> I'm sure there's an emanation to the OSHA Act that creates a penumbra of, uh, of ability to act. And, that, and that's my fear. That, that's what I worry about it is we are not actually governed anymore. Uh, I think this has been clear for a while. Uh, by any sort of predictable norms, uh, at least legal norms, we're governed by the, the you know whatever the 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 our leaders uh, feel is is appropriate. Yeah, that doesn't show any signs of letting up soon. So, I I. I... I remain cautiously optimistic that this Supreme Court will say, no, this is a step too far. But as you say, there's, you know, there's no guarantee of that. Uh, let's switch topics, though. Let me switch gears um, and talk about this Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm fascinated by that uh, trial. Not so much the trial. The trial went pretty much as I expected. The prosecution has been pretty brutally hammered by their own witnesses uh, during the course of this thing. Um, and yeah, do you, well, look, let me just uh, preface this a little bit. Do you get the feeling that the, the prosecutors did not really want to bring this case and that they were sort of forced to? I look, you, uh, what's the whole thing every client is entitled to uh, a robust right. is entitled to robust legal counsel um and uh, fortunately or unfortunately that includes the state and i cannot imagine these guys putting uh, gage grosskreutz on the stand um knowing what he would inevitably have to say uh, and the defense actually did a very good job of making him say it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, their own witness, basically, at least in the case of the shooting of, of Gage Grosskreutz, they pretty much, their own witness made the case for a self-defense claim. Yes. And it wasn't just him. Uh, uh, the, the, the two before them, one who was a witness and the other who was, uh, um, well, they, they were both witnesses. Um, they both said that, yeah, no, there, there were shots fired and they were, you know, chasing him. Yeah, that was one of the amusing things when they said to Gross Court, were you, were you chasing him? No, I was not chasing him. Okay, well, he went from point A to point B. Right. <laughs> and you went from point A to point B right behind him and then pointed a gun at him, but you weren't chasing him. You but didn't... I didn't really point a gun at him, according to his ABC. So this yeah, that's the story. other thing. We'll get to that. Um, but 
the, the case itself, I don't see anything here that indicates to me legally that Kyle Rittenhouse did anything wrong. I think we can criticize his judgment for showing up at a rally, open carrying at 17 years old. Um, there, you know, the mistakes were made, but when it came right down to it, he appears to have shot people that at the time needed shooting. Well, I mean, when you're getting attacked, yes. And he was getting, and that, and that he was was, getting attacked. Yeah, and, and that was the, the judgment to me. And he was and, retreating, by the way. After every yeah, attack, that's right. he was he retreating. He went to surrender himself. Yeah, so, so I think the case, I don't know whether the prosecution wanted to bring it or whether Mr. Binger actually believes the stuff that's coming out of his mouth. I don't for one second believe that uh, the the prosecution wanted to bring this case. I think they were forced to do it by political uh, apparatchiks. Uh, it's a loser case. It's an absolute loser case. And they know it. And, you know, the argument of who are you going to believe, uh, us or your own lion eyes with what you see on this video? Right. <laughs> That's you know that's hard to that's hard to go, but that's not even the most that's not the interesting thing about this trial. I mean, this seems to me to be a a, a, a fairly clear cut and dried case of self defense. So right. So I, I think the, the fact that watching the prosecution or one of the prosecutors bury his head in his hands while Gage Grosskreutz was saying, "Oh well, yeah, he didn't actually fire at me until I pointed my fucking gun at him." Um, right, you know that that I was illegally holding and shouldn't have had anyway. Yeah, yeah, th because I'm a felon and I shouldn't even be in possession of a firearm. But let's elide past all that. <laughs> what I found fascinating is watching the media coverage compared to what I was actually seeing as I was, you know, running this thing in the background, just sort of listening um, throughout the day, um, and then watching uh, Gage Grosskreutz as part of this framing of what's happening in this case, uh, as, um, well, basically he just repudiated his sworn testimony whenever he got yeah. on CNN. Yep. Saying he shot at me when my hands were up. Well, that's not what you said on the stand. And by the way, no one in the media corrected him. They just accepted and tweeted constantly right afterwards. Hey, he had his hands up when he got shot. <laughs> Uh, every time that something has happened like this, um, the media has alighted past it, or, or if to the extent that they've talked about the case, they have put him in the worst possible light and have given people an impression of this case. If you were looking at just the mainstream media and looking at the reportage on this case, you would have an entirely different idea about what was going on in that courtroom compared to what was actually going on in that courtroom. I mean, it was televised. Uh, anybody can see it. And they're just flat out lying about about what was said um, or just ignoring what was said to put a spin on it that doesn't even match uh, the facts in the courtroom. That's as close to lying as you can possibly come without just outright lying. Uh even to the point of the judge's stupid dad joke about their Asian lunch being trapped at uh, the port at Long Beach, um, or the fact that he has Lee Greenwood's I'm proud to be an American as his ringtone 
on his telephone. Uh, they're giving every impression that this is some sort of put-up job where he's going to walk out of here because he's a white supremacist who um, had you know got lucky to get a, a MAGA judge and he murdered two people and shot another, and he's going to walk away scot-free, and everybody is going to be shocked, shocked and stunned if a not guilty or if, if a not guilty verdict comes down because what they saw on the news was that he is uh, what's there's, there's an old uh, there's an old uh, uh, Doonesbury cartoon um, where one of the characters in Doonesbury I forget his name he's a radio disc jockey and he's talking about Watergate and he said. Obviously, when it comes to the president, we don't want to prejudge the man. But I think even a fair-minded observer, when looking at the tape, might come to the reasonable conclusion that the president is guilty. That's guilty, 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 guilty. <laughs> well, yeah, that that has been the media coverage. Uh, well, since this whole thing started. Um. And by the way, there's still people who think that he took a gun across state lines. And they also think that he shot black people. Yeah. I mean, for a white supremacist, he didn't do a very good job of white supremacing. No, he shot two white guys. Well, three, three white guys. And I mean, you're absolutely right. This, the failure of, uh, the the media to actually portray any of this in um, a, a neutral light. Uh, I mean, it's an absolute failure. I I, absolute I disagree failure. strongly with the use of the term failure. This is yeah, well. This yeah, is, no, that's, uh, that's a fair point. That's uh, a fair point. A failure implies that they attempted to do something and didn't that's right. pull it off. No, that's exactly right. Uh, they did. They they absolutely tried to shade this, and they've done a very successful job. There there was a really good. Um, I can't remember who his his name is, but he's uh, some progressive uh, activist. Um, who proclaimed that he sat down with his wife or lover. I don't know. It was so, sort of weird. Or his but, five-year-old nephew, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But he sat down with somebody who was close to him and um, watched all of the testimony. Not all of the testimony, but a, a damn good portion of it. And he came away with the impression that, like, you know what? I think this guy was acting in self-defense and everything I had learned before. And there was another one who, who was like, uh, got red pilled who was like, I thought he shot black people. And I was shocked to learn he didn't shoot black people because that's what the narrative has been. This has been, um, the problem with the media. Well, going back decades, but in this particular case, that they have shaded the truth and they have uh, tried to create sides. They have tried and successfully to create, you know, you're either uh, against it or you're with it 
And if you're with it, you're a Nazi and you're an awful human being. I, I have to point out, though, that, that there is a certain kind of, of skill. Um, it's a it's a horrible skill or actually it's not a horrible skill. It's just a skill being used to to for, for bad ends in this part, in this case. But to write a headline that is 100 percent factually true and yet gives you an entirely different impression of what going on. So Kyle Rittenhouse, the um, the the young man who uh, you know, Rittenhouse, young man accused of killing Black Lives Matter protesters. Okay, that's technically true, but if but it certainly makes you think. Well, if he was killing Black Lives Matter protesters, he was probably killing black people, right? Right. I mean, you don't say it. You don't say he killed a couple of African Americans. What you do is you say he killed some Black Lives Matter protesters. Let the audience figure out what that means, because we pretty much know what the audience is going to figure out from that. Uh, well, I mean, you're you're pointing out the obvious. I mean, that's exactly what they want people to think. And they do such a darn good job of it. And so, yes, they do. If there are riots, <laughs> if when this guy is acquitted, it's basically going to be rioting because people never did learn the truth and they never did learn the truth because the truth was never reported. Well, we can go back. Think about it. The entire point of these riots in Kenosha was because, uh, this guy, uh, was his name? Jacob Blake, um, got shot seven times in the back. And, that got turned into, uh, you see, the black man doesn't get a, a fair shot. This guy was armed. He was described as unarmed. Um, I, I think no less than uh, uh, 20 times uh, by our me- our awesome media. He was well. He was only he armed with a, he was only armed with a knife. Is that really right. armed? <laughs> he had a felony warrant out on him. He was going to get arrested either way. Um, he and I, I kind of give give it to him a bit of a badass. Like he, he like shrugged off all the uh, tasers that went went into him and you know pulled him off and then went to try to go into the the van uh, to take his uh kids uh, uh and i think some more not necessarily his kids but whatever and, and by the um, way we have this on video i mean we, yes. we see him there being tased we see him with the knife oh, we in have his it, hand. we have it on audio him saying yeah i had dropped the knife and and that's when i got freaked out I mean, there's literally, but he was described as unarmed yeah, the entire time by the media. And this is what led to the riots that happened in Kenosha. This all happened in Kenosha. This kid uh, uh, got asked because he was an activist, uh, a, a good activist, like, he would go up there and clean up graffiti. He he did this earlier that day. He was helping out uh, 
uh, all these people. He was asked to stay behind and, you know, protect the, the, the car lots. And he did. And how did he do it? Um, for the most part, he was putting out fires. Well, I mean, that's, like, what, kicked, literally. that's what kicked off the whole thing. They had set a right. fire. He grabbed a fire extinguisher, put the fire out. And from that point on, everything just followed as the night follows the day. Because yep. they attacked him physically for trying to put out a fire. Right. And, of and course, the so, prosecution's questions on that matter. Why were you trying to put out the fire? Are you a fireman? Um, like, are you fucking a retard? Actually, you know what? Uh, who was it? Uh, Drew. Uh, the, 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 he was one of the, the few people who were, who were there. Um, and he got caught up as a witness, which I still find weird. Um, but Drew something. Is he the guy he, that works for Breitbart? He might. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's one of the things going out on Twitter. Now, one of these witnesses is someone that works for Breitbart retweet. If you think he should not have been a witness. Right. Yeah. Tell me you well, don't know how courtroom trials work without telling exactly. me you don't know how courtroom right. trials work. <laughs> I think he was just—he was so disdainful of uh, uh, the prosecutor, uh, the mustache guy, and he was just like, "And oh, why well, said apparently, really?" So it, 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 what was apparently? Well, it's apparently I, I didn't know all the things. That's why I said apparently. <laughs> so apparently to you means. Yeah, that's what apparently means. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And it's like, if you're a prosecutor, you're like you literally have nothing if you're going at, at this. Oh, apparently. Really? That's what you're going to go after? Okay. Oh, and by the way, the cop that shot um, Mr. Blake, um, well, crap, two years ago now. Um, last year at about this time, um, no, I'm sorry. Uh, last month, uh, 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 actually just a couple of weeks ago, it was October 21st. The, the feds announced that they would not, uh, be filing, uh, civil rights, uh, a civil rights lawsuit against that officer. Well, they, and they shouldn't, I, like there's literally, this was a good shoot. Uh, the fact that that guy survived seven shots. Well, Blake's I, uncle. I have to wonder what he was on. Blake's uncle Justin Blake disagrees very strongly. Oh well. The fact of the matter is, he was asked several times. He was going to get arrested no matter what. There was a felony warrant. Yeah, he was going to jail, and he didn't want to go to jail. He resisted arrest. He tried to drive off with children in a car. He had a knife in his hand, which he has admitted. It's literally on the record that he has admitted he had a a knife in his hand. I don't see, like, I'm, like you are, I'm super skeptical of any time there is a cop shooting. This is one that, like, the only thing I can't figure out is how you shoot him seven times and don't kill him. Yeah, well, that's really, that moves us over into a training issue, I think. 
know, possibly, but it's like you guys, and maybe this guy is just like the biggest badass, uh, uh, you know, chesty puller. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, you know, honestly, you know, shooting somebody doesn't necessarily mean that you kill them. You'd be surprised how many people end up wounded rather than killed when they get shot. Yeah. You, you, there's several things that have to fall into place, even with multiple gunshot wounds, um, to to make somebody die. I mean, look, Bob Dole got stitched all the way up his right side with a machine gun, and in World War II, uh, you know, it, 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 I'm still pulling Chesty Puller. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, but uh, uh, again, we don't. It's the framing that the media puts on these things. And, and the media, by the way, will never admit um, if, like, let's say that, that Rittenhouse is, is acquitted and another round of riots start. No, the media will never take any responsibility for that. No, why would they do that? And the thing that got me is whenever they had him on CNN and he's there talking to Anderson Cooper and you know spinning his tail, not a single person on CNN asked him what I would have thought would be a very basic question. Well, if this is true, if what you just said is true, then why did you testify otherwise in your sworn testimony in courtroom just a day ago? Right. Are you lying now or you were lying before? Yeah. Were you lying before the court or are you lying now? Um, That seems to me to be a very basic question uh, to ask about his credibility, especially. I think that was Michael Strahan, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. On, on CNN? Yeah, that that's where he got interviewed. You're talking about Craig Kreutz, right? Yeah, Grosskreutz. Or uh, Grosskreutz, yes. Yeah, that that was Michael Strahan. <laughs> not a well-known journalist. <laughs> anything. Not not that actually I think he's probably better than than Anderson Cooper, but uh Oh, I said Anderson Cooper, didn't I? Yeah. I'm sorry. That's just my, that's my CNN is Anderson Cooper reflex. It's either him or Don Lemon, one of the two. <laughs> Lemon. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Hey, well, you know what? Um, all right, let's do an awkward segue here. Okay. What the fuck is going on with the FBI and uh, Veritas? Uh, was it called? It's, it's Project Veritas, and so let Project me, Veritas. So, so background here. Um, we talked about this last week, I believe, when we talked about the the Biden. The we Biden. talked about the beginnings of it, yeah. Right, and the FBI, for some reason, now has the. Uh, federal uh, criminal authority to uh, do investigations into missing diaries. Okay. Um, they did a raid on Project Veritas, took a lot of their documents, uh, some of which were privileged communications between Project Veritas and their legal counsel, and they all ended up in the New York Times. I'm fairly certain that uh, James O'Keefe of Project Veritas did not provide those documents to the New York Times. And since the FBI had them, I can only see one source from whence they would have come and been uh, given to the New York Times. The New York Times that Project Veritas is in a uh, lawsuit with 
for um, uh, defamation. Yeah, defamation. Right. Right. Yeah, it's defamation. Yeah. Because of all the, uh, you know, deceptive editing, the New York Times um, says that they which, the, which they did in the reporting that they used <laughs> the, the very uh, privileged communications. They did the same thing. Yeah, I'm just, you know, what is the FBI doing? And look, it has to be the FBI or someone in the FBI. What is the FBI doing giving these documents to the New York Times? It kind well, of reminds yeah, me of when the FBI decided to arrest Roger Stone for a nonviolent offense in the middle of the night, like this was Nazi Germany. And who had a camera crew there? CNN. Presumably, by, by pure coincidence, <laughs> CNN. Yeah. It's weird how that works out. You know, I, I grew up watching Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. on the FBI. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> um, whatever the FBI might have been in 1969 and 1970, that ain't what they are now. Uh, and, and, you know, and it really does raise the question, what use are they? And I, 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 I got to admit, I, I'm skeptical. Uh, I, I don't understand the idea of just getting rid of them altogether. We have to have some sort of investig uh, investigatory unit. But I, I, I find myself being, yeah, we need to, the FBI needs to be disbanded. They, they, they clearly are not following any sort of law. No, and they, as far they, as they I can tell, as far as I can tell, they're acting as the president's cleaning crew. Well, and Democratic they, and they president's cleaning crew, right? Yeah, yeah. It seems to be selective, and they don't get called out on. They they, they have no repercussions almost whatsoever. Well, Even the, with the trouble uh, is, the is crap the, that they did. The trouble is, with, is that uh, they have a century of of this image of being incorruptible defenders of the public good. Um, which, by the way, is complete bullshit. All you have to do is read a, a, a mildly comprehensive biography of Martin Luther King to understand that. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, they've been corrupt for a long time. But at least there was a time when our biggest worry were commies. And they didn't even do a good job at that, quite frankly. Uh, they don't really do a good job at anything except harass people. I mean, Richard Joel, why the fuck was Richard Joel ever a suspect I in mean, the bombing of, mean, of the Olympics? I mean, had not circumstances intervened, there was an excellent chance that Richard Joel would still be in a federal prison. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and that's, like, why do we believe in these people? Well, they certainly haven't over the past, certainly over the past 20 years, and if you really want to dig down, even longer than that. Yeah. They simply don't deserve the reputation that they've had. No. And they use the law uh, to 
and this is a great example. Why the fuck are they at all involved in a possible stolen diary that Project Veritas actually tried to give to the authorities? What 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 is why are there these raids? It seems to to look like, and, and look, I don't know. I'm just telling you what it looks like, but it certainly looks like. Oh, we want to get access to your communications, um, so we can help with the New York Times. And may, maybe that's just me being cynical, but. I'm having a hard time seeing. Look, it's this, uh, it's this whole pattern of behavior, and, and we're learning about it slowly as it ekes out from John Durham and yeah. his investigation into the Russia collusion thing. Clearly, the FBI knew this was a bunch of bullshit, and they went ahead with it anyway, to the, to the extent of lying to the uh, FISA court uh, about the necessity for uh, bugging Carter Page. Oh, but they... they, they uh they actually prosecuted somebody for that right oh oh that's right it was uh uh nobody who yeah, exactly <laughs> didn't even get jail time yeah it's like during the the 2008 financial crisis um when the only people i mean you had rampant corruption at standard and poors and moody's uh giving you know grade a or triple A ratings to tranches of shit in subprime mortgages for derivatives. Um, and at the end of the day, the only guy that went to jail was some, I think some poor schlub from Barclays bank who ended up holding the bag. Um, everybody else got off scot-free. Hell, we, we, we bailed out the banks for goodness sakes. It's such a scam. I mean, the entire federal law enforcement community seems to be less than keen in their pursuit of what we used to term justice. But I think this puts the, you know, cherry on top is this is a diary that was offered up to the authorities and they are now reading uh, you know, innocent people like, who didn't publish it, by the way. Right. Well, there is some speculation that they gave it to somebody else to publish it. Oh, speculation. Um, well, that's probably 100% reliable. Right. <laughs> but uh, even at that point, you know, then why aren't you rating the, the people who actually got it and published it? You're not doing that. And exactly what is the federal interest here? I, I, I don't even get it. Yeah, I don't know that there's a federal law against dis disseminating a lost diary. I mean, the Pentagon Papers would <laughs> seem to like uh, militate <laughs> greatly against that idea. Yeah, one would think, and in that case, somebody actually broke into Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist's office and stole shit. Right. And yet, I mean, we have Supreme Court cases on this. Yeah, we have precedent. We, we know that what they did is not against the law. Somebody gave them a right. diary. They had, they tried to give it back. to. And this is the other question. 
they did try to give it back to, well, according to James O'Keefe, they tried to give this diary to law enforcement. Law enforcement said, sure, yes. yeah, no, no, you got to take that with a, a grain of salt. Sure. Sure. But uh, I mean, assuming he's correct and he did try to give it to law enforcement, that implies that the FBI could have obtained those diaries through the simple exigency of making a phone call, talking to Mr. O'Keefe, and then sending a messenger around to pick them up. Yeah. And either way, what is the federal interest that the FBI is involved in this in the beginning? Yeah, there is no, there's no federal crime here. I, I can't even see a pretense of one. I mean, I, I, I find it very, assuming if, again, we're making a lot of assumptions here, and I understand that. But assuming that what Mr. O'Keefe says is true, um, that this diary was at least represented to him as one having been left by Ashley Biden in a room somewhere. Um, okay. So I, I'm, I'm not even sure we have a state crime here. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure, what is illegal? What uh, it doesn't matter who it was or, or at what level, at what point, at, at any point, was any law, city, county, state, or federal um, violated? I, I can't even imagine what it would have been. I mean, I certainly maybe there are facts out there we don't know. I, I'm sure there are facts out there oh, that sure. we don't. But how does this? I, I what I don't understand is how this rises to a federal crime where you have the FBI coming in and raiding. How did they get these subpoenas in the first place? Yeah, how did they, that was my next question. How did they get the search warrants? I mean, okay, look, it's always possible to find a friendly judge who's willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, but this seems to go far beyond a benefit of the doubt. How did they even, what were the search warrant affidavits that were sworn to that provided a federal really like predicate? Yeah. I would really like to see those because I, I don't, for the life of me, understand where the jurisdiction comes from. Unless it's some sort of, you know, it falls under this broad and, in my view, overly broad so, counterintelligence right. authority that the FBI. Right. Yeah. It's some sort of uh, FISA thing. So did it come from some secret FISA court? Okay. Yeah. that That's sort of interesting. I mean... Whoa, okay. Uh, we need some clarity on that. Yeah, this does not seem to be a search warrant that should have been issued because as a judge, the first thing a federal judge should have said is, what federal crime are you alleging has been committed? And if it was then immediately leaked to the New York Times, well, that creates a whole other ball of wax, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you know, this is something that the uh, inspector general should look into because Lord knows if the inspector general gets involved, heads will, oh, wait. Well, it depends on the, the inspector general, apparently. By the way, pro tip for the Biden family, stop leaving shit around. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Diaries, yes. laptops, whatever. Fucking keep your shit with you. <laughs> Every time you get in your car, look around. Have I forgotten anything? You'd save everybody a lot of trouble. 
But wow. you know, this is this is the kind of thing that it seems to me would warrant a congressional investigation. And yeah, because Congress is so worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, there's not going to be any oversight investigation <laughs> at all, but but you cannot have law enforcement officials like the FBI just running willy-nilly and just serving warrants. And how did they get that warrant? By the way, some judge should be answering some interesting questions from however the federal judiciary penalizes or disciplines judges. Um, this This is just a bad look all around. And I think the thing that bothers me more than anything else is just the, the acceptance by so many people that, I guess the the feds can just do anything. They can just poke their well, nose I mean, in anywhere and do anything. And, you know, after all, it's the president's daughter, uh, to which my answer is, so what? Um, but apparently the feds do it. It, it. You know, it's like Richard Nixon. If the president does it, it can't be illegal. Right. Well, I mean, let's get down to brass tacks. There is no real... Um, Uh, There is no real rule of law anymore. Uh, There is no real, uh, you know, we all get the same, you know, in front of a court, uh, in front of the law, we are all the same. Yeah, we have that, the trappings. We have the trappings of a rule of law, the terminology, right. the institutions, um, but none of the practice. It, it's, it's a hollow show. Yes, and this is causing a serious breakdown of society. Uh, one that we've been talking about for a long time. Um, this ends in. Unfortunately, I, I I don't want it to end this way, but I, I I'm loath uh, to, to say that this is what it's going to be. But I, I think it's going to be a bloody, very bloody. Uh, I, I think reckoning of those who want government to do everything and those who don't. Um, I don't like that outcome. I don't want that outcome. And I seriously hope that eventually uh, enough people will, will wake up and say, you know what? These people are actually not doing anything in my interest. And we can do it democratically, but and it's and not only are they not doing things in my interest, but it's really easy now to see in whose interest they are doing things. Well, yeah, you know that that's what's so funny is they're not even being shy about it. I mean, you look at this, uh, you know, BBB bill, and the, the, they are literally giving tax breaks to uh, the salt thing um so state and local tax deduction um that benefits really pretty rich people um they're trying they're they're uh they um a lot of well 
all Democrats and certainly some Republicans as well uh, are, are really driving this thing hard. Well, I think the, you, uh, you know, t- today, uh, Steve Bannon, yeah, I was about to say this. Yeah. Yeah. Was indicted for the first time in 38 years. Oh no, that's not what I was going to say. But okay. uh, Steve Bannon <laughs> for the first time in 38 years was indicted for criminal contempt of Congress for failing to right. show up to the June 6th thing. Right. And yet Eric Holder is walking out there free and yeah. skiffy. But Steve Bannon is looking at a $1,000 fine and up to a year in jail for criminal contempt of Congress now. I'm really kind of interested to see how this works out because, look, I, I really don't like Steve Bannon. Yeah, and I, I assume he's he, going to grift the shit out of this. But Yeah, I, he's just not my my flavor. Um, but I do respect his, uh, ability to say, fuck you to everybody. Um, you know, I, I, I wish him luck. I, I don't think he has any luck here, but I'm interested in see what happens. Yeah. Not with this justice department and because, and because he was the architect of MAGA largely for the first year. So, well, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he already bears the mark of Cain. So why do we care what happens to him? Right. <laughs> oh my God. What shit do we have? Oh. Yeah. So it's, it's just the rule of law is dead in this country and we just have to wait for people to figure that out, which by the way, increasingly they are increasingly, they realize that there are rules for the elite. Well, actually there are no rules for the elite. There's just rules for us. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, so uh, to speak really frankly about that, uh, right here in Virginia, that th- this was a big deal with the whole uh, election of, of the new governor. It, it was the thing that drove that outcome was that the uh, supposed elites we're driving a, a message and um, like saying, you don't know what you're even talking about. You don't even, you know, don't look at the light. Don't look at the light. Right. They, they were playing uh, wizard bonds and young can uh, just drove a big giant truck through the middle of that. This is a reality. Your, your people are um being screwed and children that was the big thing yeah it's one thing when you try to screw me over when you start screwing over my kids then that starts to get it it, it creates a whole different dynamic and and that's what won him the the uh, governorship because it's true these people are uh, trying to separate your parental rights and privileges uh, from those uh, and basically give them over to the state. And we've, we've seen this fail. Uh, we've seen this fail uh, for literally centuries. Um, who is it? Uh, Robert Owens. Do you remember Robert Owens, the... Uh, 
Cole Baron, uh, who decided to go to, um, uh, like Midwest, Ohio, Illinois area and create this, uh, you know, utopia where, um, and now he brought with him tons of money because he was a coal baron <laughs> and decided to like create this utopia where, uh, parents all went to like one dorm and all the children went to another dorm and all the children were like, you know, you're our children, not your parents' children and separate that bond. It worked for the first uh, sort of generation, not even that far. Uh, and then it failed miserably because, oh, hey, there's something about like, you know, familial bonds. <laughs> there's, yes, it's there's almost as if five billion that. years of evolution have inculcated certain instincts into us. Well, you know, right. the Israelis tried the same thing, right? With the with the, the kibbutz, with yeah. the original kibbutz, and well, we won't raise our children as male or female or whatever. We're just here in this big community and let kids be who they're going to be. And by God, the boys were running around with sticks and pieces of bread as pistols, and they just couldn't. They <laughs> that that whole uh, social experiment just broke down. The economic experiment was relatively successful, but the the it's relatively successful because uh, we give Israel billions <laughs> of dollars a year. But but the the social thing just broke down. It, it just human nature is what it is, and we face and it seems to be the the story of the twentieth century, and now here it's extending into the twenty first century. This foolish idea that mankind can be perfected by political means. Right. Yeah. The perfect socialist man. And, and it's been disproven over and over and over again. And yet, well, that wasn't the real way. That yeah. was. And, the real and by the way, it was New Harmony, Indiana, according to one of our listeners. That's right. OK. Indiana. Yeah. And it, it's it's never worked. It will never work. It, it matter of fact. Uh, Robert Owen, uh, after he failed miserably, went over uh, to Europe somewhere, I think Germany, and started some sort of cult, some sort of uh, religious movement in order to uh, recreate and then push through these ideas. He figured, hey, you know what? Um they wouldn't do it because it, it made scientific sense. And that was the idea back then. Let's do it with uh, religion. We'll just get them to, uh, uh, you know, it, it's a godsend. It, it's something that, you know, in order to be morally and um, um, spiritually, I guess ethically, yeah, spiritually correct, you, you need to do these sort of things. It also failed miserably. <laughs> yeah, human nature is what it is. Although, you know, the idea of switching over to religion is not a bad one because you can, I mean, religion, if you can get true believers, it does cover up a multitude of, uh, a multitude of inconsistencies sometimes. Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, that's absolutely true. 10 out of 10 for good thinking. 
Well, yeah. I mean, look, uh, the idea. Yeah, absolutely right. But unless you have a real. And look, uh, <laughs> and this is uh, so for those who don't know, I mean, Dale is an atheist. Well, I, I say he's more agnostic, but he would say he's an atheist. I, I'm definitely a Catholic. I believe very much in uh, the Catholicism. Um, it is absolutely true that religion is used to manipulate people. Um, and, you know, my religion has been probably the worst of all to do that. Um by the way, can I just point out that I'm not one of the, the arrogant atheists that think you're an idiot because you believe in a religion? No, that's absolutely true. Uh, I mean, Dale and I have had long conversations about this, and he is absolutely not. Yeah, my father, um, one of the things that, that uh, let's just go far afield. Let's get a little personal here. Um, my father, who, well, let me put it this way. Um, members of my family who I have known were ordained ministers. My great grandfather, both of them, um, two of uh, uh, one of my grandmothers, um, my father, my uncle, my first cousin Brent, um, my first cousin Michonne, who married a minister. Um, so I was in church every time the doors were open. And my dad, uh, when my uh, my uh, stepmother died uh, several years ago, um, and uh, I was traveling from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Las Cruces, New Mexico, uh, to uh, inter her uh, in their burial plot in Las Cruces, um, and also to go to La Posta Mexican Restaurant, because if you've never had enchiladas at La Posta in Las Cruces, New Mexico, <laughs> you have not lived. Um and my dad asked me about that. He he just said, son, I, I, I just don't understand why you don't believe. And he apparently had thought that it was some sort of rebellion because he, 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 he said something to the effect of what I, I know that I'm not perfect. And I've done some things that, that maybe have made you doubt religion. And I just had to tell him, look, it has nothing to do with you. I simply can't believe I you mean, don't feel it. i i just i just i just can't believe in it i have tried i tried my entire life um living with you uh, by the way um i did everything i could to try to make myself believe and i never could really believe it even as a child i never had any sense that my prayers went any farther than the ceiling i just can't bring myself to believe it um, I just don't have the faith or whatever it is. I, I just don't have that in me to accept it as, as, as true. And I have lots of questions, uh, about how it even could be true. And it's not a question of rebellion or hating religion or anything like that. I simply can't make myself believe it. I mean, I realize that there would probably be some measure of comfort and some measure, a greater measure of equanimity in my life if I, in fact, could believe it. And yet I, I, I simply can't. I don't know why. Um, and if there is a God, I assume that since he made me this way, he's going to have at least some sympathy for what he did to me. 
Uh, well, that's why I, I, I sort of consider you as more agnostic than anything. But Well, let's not get into the trivialization of definitions between atheism and agnosticism and let's everything not. else that exists in the atheist community. <laughs> oh, my God, they're, they're as bad as libertarians about the, the degree of your disbelief in a deity. By the way, the actually, atheist that's community really, that's the, actually a really good uh, 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 comparison. The <laughs> atheist community and the atheist community is the worst. Just the worst. <laughs> I mean, again, just like libertarians. Hmm, you don't seem to disbelieve enough for me, right, Mister? <laughs> it's it's just insane. Oh, and by the way, if you're an atheist, how could you possibly be a libertarian or a conservative? I mean, if you're an right. atheist, you must be a progressive. Why? I didn't reject <laughs> God to make the state God. Which, by the way, they yeah, do not appreciate. That has never made any sense. They do to me. not appreciate hearing. No, I, I, what, the thing is, this is why we get along so well. Is, is um, fucking atheist, man. I, I well, yeah, not that part. But I, look, I, I don't give a kid. I really don't give a shit what you believe. You know what I believe. I know what you believe, and I like it. Doesn't have to be a thing. Like it, it doesn't really change. We, we, we both believe that there are ethics uh, and we bo both believe that there are um, the best ways to live one's life. I, I you know, we're, we're simpatico on so many things that, you know, whether I ascribe it to, be, uh, to my belief in God or you ascribe it to your belief in, um, you know, best practices. And I, I don't mean to, uh, I, maybe I'm, I don't even want to get into the explaining of this because then I got to dive into a whole bunch of Sam Harris shit that I don't want to get into. But <laughs> yeah, we can get to the same end through different means. Well, th and that's where I'm at. And that's all I, all I really care about. You know, I, I believe you're going to heaven. I, I you know, you don't, believe in heaven but i do and i i just think you're such a righteous dude and i think that you're righteous too because you, you just you always do the right thing you're you're just uh you do the right thing you, you hold up humanity and every chance you get and matter of fact i think you do it way better than i do um you know, so uh, whatever. Well, I, I okay. appreciate that. Yeah. But, you know, but this relationship that we're talking about, this, this relationship between you and I, it used to be a relationship that you could have. I mean, let's expand it beyond religion. It used to be a relationship we could have politically with people. Um, well, that's how it started. You and know, that was literally how it started. Very few people uh, nowadays remember that Ronald Reagan used to head over for Tuesday night poker with Tip O'Neill while he was president. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they were they were friends, uh, and they got together socially on a regular basis. Um, the 
the relationship that they had just seems to be a relationship that's almost impossible to have anymore. I mean, we have taken politics. I, I guess the, the, the real shift happened whenever the left in this country, um, you know, the traditional left, the Democrats, um, went from being... Well, when when the arguments changed from what's the best tax rate to put on somebody who makes a million dollars a year to, um, you know, how you know, how uh, victimized are you based on your racial uh, affinity, um, it became more and more difficult to maintain cross-ideological relationships in this country. You know, we talk about how polarized everything is well you know once you go from you know what i hear what you say and you're wrong to i hear what you say and because you're wrong it makes you an evil human being boy it's really hard to draw back from that once you've crossed that line and you judge people's humanity based on their beliefs it becomes really hard to draw back to uh, an acceptance of shared humanity and an acceptance that there will always be disagreements yeah, well, I mean, I like think, I've been describing it for a long time. Go ahead. We, we've your, switched your, from a disagreement about means to a disagreement about ends. And we have given moral weight to the ends that we didn't give a generation ago or two generations ago. Well, that's well put. Um, and those ends uh, uh, can only be achieved according to some people, uh, by government action, whereas... Coercion. I mean, let's, let's put it, the, the only way that we're going to have the society that I want is if I coerce you to, have, to live in that society. Yeah. You don't we get to had... have the society you want. You get to have the society I want. You'll bake the fucking cake and you'll enjoy it. We had 150 years of that sort of society. And it never, ever, ever worked. Period. Well, it appears less likely to be able to work now the way that we have evolved. And before we get excessively philosophical on this issue, uh, especially since I didn't get to sleep until 5 o'clock this morning and had to be up to get to work at 9, I'm tired. I think I'm done. (laughs) I'm going to have to go to bed, dude. You was... (laughs) Power through. Power through. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, as always, it's a pleasure. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to Observations Q&O Podcast for Friday, the 12th of November, 2021. On behalf of Michael Wade and the missing Bruce McQuain, although he should be back next week, this is Dale Frank saying thanks for listening. We hope you'll be listening again next week. Until then, have a great week, everybody. So long. So long.